The Florida Gators took a heavy L on Saturday versus South Carolina Gamecocks. We'll get into the review, but first we're going to talk about Dan Mullen's future as the head coach of the Florida Gators and Todd Grantham and John Heavesy getting fired only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Monday or not happy Monday, depending on how you're feeling about it. I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I'm also the founder of Whole9Sports.com, where you can find all my written work. Getting right into the, the news for today, Dan Mullen's future. Um... Four and five this year, not not a good, not, not good to be under five hundred. If you didn't know, uh, thirty three and fourteen at Florida, which looks pretty solid. But he had twenty one of those wins in his first two seasons, which that means the last two have not been kind. And I'll, I'm gonna get to one of the biggest criticisms that he's had, pretty much since he got the Gainesville, his recruiting. He is constantly compared to Kirby Smart. Not in the sense of like they're similar, in the sense that they are always compared to one another. Because it's always been, hey, Dan, Dan's the X's and O's. Dan's the play calling guy. Kirby is a phenomenal recruiter. But Dan is pretty terrible at recruiting recently. That's very upsetting, by the way. Um, we've lost... Two commits in the past month, and they were within a week of each other, two high-level commitments for the 2020, uh, 2022 season, which that's pretty rough, especially when you look at you know Dan Mullen's press conference last week. I don't I don't care about that being like, oh, we're not gonna talk about it. we're not gonna talk about recruiting during recruiting season, we'll talk about it. I get what he meant. Most people should have gotten what he meant, but if you didn't cool beans, man. I don't care. Um, but I mean I, I have a bigger issue with him which is not staying for the alma mater because and i i get that people have been getting on him for not staying for the alma mater and lying about it by saying i didn't even realize that our band was there when they were at the gator walk with him so hmm. but not staying for the alma mater is actually to me one of the most disrespectful things that a player or coach can do, which by the way, the huge majority of the players have not been there for the alma mater after the past two games. Dan Mullen has not been there for the alma mater after this game. It, it, it's pretty bad because there are coaches like Matt Campbell at Iowa State. He, after the home games, goes around the stadium. He, he walks around, and I get this was an away game, but still, around the stadium and just high fives all, all the fans win or lose. He high fives and he thanks them for coming out. Like he, he doesn't just like, all right, all right, all right go game. Like, like when you're a kid playing baseball and they're like, all right, line up high five. No, like Dan, like Matt Campbell walks by and he's like, Oh, thanks for coming out. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for my shakes, your hand daps you up, does whatever. And Dan Mullen can't give Gators fans the decency or respect, not even Gators fans, can't give the university the decency or respect 
to stay out there for the alma mater after the game because we lost. And like we've discussed so frequently, Dan Mullen, when it comes to him losing or the team playing poorly or whatever it is, is is a petulant child with some of these things. And I've been a big defender of his, but my word, like you have to actively try to disrespect a university to this point. And that that's, that is just so disappointing from Dan Mullen, who's been yay Gators. And now he's just, times are hard and he is soft apparently. And I, I understand that, on Saturday's game, the team reportedly had the flu. That's that's fine. Like if, if you, you know, if you perform poorly because you guys had the flu, that's fine. I do think you should make that information known beforehand because otherwise, it looks like you're just trying to cover your tracks a little bit there. Just want to point that one out. But also, um, you've sucked since week three. You haven't had the flu since week three. Like the team is performing poorly. Not just because of poor coaching, but because of poor leadership. Because this team, and I'm not talking about players necessarily, but to an extent, players um, players have essentially given up on this season at this point. The coaching staff has not made them buy in. The coaching staff has not given them something to believe in and want to play for and want to fight for. And Dan Mullen has not taken the accountability that he should have been taking because when you are the head coach of the Florida Gators, when you are the leader of this team, you need to be able to go up there when you mess up and say, hey, I messed up. That's on me. Not, we had more yards than them. We, I was not outcoached. We had more yards. Get over it. Or any of that bull crap that he wants to feed people. Because frankly, that is one of the biggest snowflake moves you can make. I'll, I'll say that I couldn't think of a better term. So that's what you're getting. That is one of the softest things I've ever seen someone do. You say, I was in our coach. We had more yards than them. I wasn't this. We had more of this. No, it doesn't matter if you don't have more points than them. Then, then you were out coached, out played, whatever it was. You lost the game and Kentucky, he was out coached as easily as I've maybe ever seen with Dan Mullen here until he played South Carolina, and then they just beat the crap out of us the entire time. But I, I do think he gets the rest of the season. But I think if there aren't massive improvements, kick him to the curb. And I, I know that I've been very uh, gun-shy with saying, hey, get rid of him. But uh, we've reached that point where if the Florida Gators do not make significant strides over the remainder of the season – Cut your losses, get rid of him, look for your next head coach. And I get that we've made the argument, myself and other writers, fans, whatever, have made the argument of, well, who are we going to get that's going to replace him and who's going to be better than him? At this point, that's not that hard to do. This team has not shown any fight over the past couple weeks. It's been just, we let Georgia kick the crap out of us. We let South Carolina kick the crap out of us. And we made no adjustments while LSU kicked the crap out of us for the huge majority of that game. And then Anthony Richardson came in. But defensively, this team has been soft over the past couple of weeks. Things need to change. And we're about to talk about the things that did change. But first, all right, college football fanatics, have you heard about prize picks? 
Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know you will too. Price Picks offers every sport you can think of. I'm talking NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, no longer MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. Price Picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the Power Five, like uh, Trey Dean, Kyrie Elam, those guys, and smaller players like Bryce Mitchell, Bryant Kobach. Fun stuff, though. Caleb Ellaby. Also another name, PrizePix allows mixed sport entries. You can take the over on LeBron points and the under on Mahomes picks, which you shouldn't do in the same entry. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Use promo code locked on L-O-C-K-E-D, no space, O-N. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Now we're going to take a look at Two coaches who um, have been terrible this year. Defensive coordinator Todd Grantham and running game coordinator slash offensive line coach John C. Both are gone, and that is huge for us. I will say with Heavesy, uh, I I've got a little bit of reservations about that because well, I, I think it might have been more of a scapegoat move than anything else. But first, Todd Grantham. Um, I am so happy he's gone. That man should have lost his job last year, but a good offense, it did enough to carry him through because we were still winning games, so who cared? Um, we did, by the way. But Todd Grantham being gone is massive for us because we pretty much, um, we pretty much knew he'd be gone after this season. I think some of us were a little reserved to say that definitively because Dan Mullen tends to Dan Mullen. Um, so we were like, I don't want to commit to that, but uh, he's gone now. So that's wonderful. And yeah, that, thank goodness for that. Um, Heavesy getting the boot was needed, I think, but I don't think it was needed right now. I mean, I, I get it. The offensive line has been atrocious this year. I've been very open about that. They have sucked, and the reason that our run game has looked good is because our running backs are creating creating something out of nothing. Uh, I don't know if you saw my tweet from last night, but Damian Pierce had, uh, I think it was 27 of 37 yards were after contact. Uh, Malik Davis had 21 of his yards were after contact, which is impressive considering he finished with 17 totals. So that means on average, he was getting hit in the backfield, which is really fun. That's really good offensive line play. But at the same time, it's like, it's a little weird to fire your running game coordinator because that's one of the very few parts of this team that has worked for the most part. Um, especially when you look at Dan Mullen being the play caller that's not letting the run game get into a rhythm. That's what's really weird. I get it. A scapegoat was needed. So what? Maybe with Michael Selene taking over as the offensive line coach, we'll see some improvement there because my Lord, it can't get much worse. Can it? Revisiting Todd Grantham though. Um, I, I don't think this means Dan Mullen's job is secure for next year. I know that some people have said, like, hey, like Dan Mullen, like he he cut his losses with Todd Grantham so he can get next year. I don't I don't know if that's the case. 
Uh, I, I still think that if, like I said last segment, if this team just makes significant improvements, Dan Mullen's going to get shown the door regardless of what the defense coordinator or who the defense coordinator may be next year, which, by the way, one of my favorite things about this firing or these firings, but specifically Todd Grantham, is that uh, very soon, and by very soon I mean I get to immediately start doing it, but we get to talk about new defensive coordinators. So very soon – that's going to be something that we really look or that I am really looking forward to because my God, I've been waiting so long to get that man out of Gainesville. And now he's gone. Don't worry, kids. The bad man is gone. So thank goodness for that one. The defense this season was allowing almost 25 points per game, including a pretty solid start. And over the past three games, the defense has allowed, on average, 41 points per game, which means that over the three, over the final three games, or the last three games, uh, 123 points have been allowed, which is just god-awful. Um, Todd Grantham was completely unwilling to make adjustments to the game plan. If you want proof of that, I urge you to watch LSU, where they ran for basically 300 yards, and a lot of it was 14 times, to be exact, was just LSU calling counter trap and Florida making no adjustments, just getting run through, 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 and not being able to make a damn tackle on this team. They clearly were not, and I get, I keep bringing that up. That's on the DC because you're not just a play caller. You're not just a schemer. You are the coach. You need to coach these guys up. Clearly, the basics were not being coached. And now Florida has a losing record, which is just so fun to be able to say. I love talking about a losing team. I love supporting a losing team, especially one that so clearly has given up on this coaching staff. I genuinely do think, though, that Todd Grantham getting fired is going to light a fire under the arses of the of the defense because i think that now they're like hey the bad man is gone so now we can have some fun with things and florida now future's looking better because todd grantham is not going to be a part of it uh i just yeah i think that uh i i think he might have been the worst defensive coordinator that i've ever seen and i've seen a lot of bad defensive coordinators but todd grantham is gone and for the record both grantham and hefsey are or were on expiring contracts so for the people asking about how much will we owe them in the future zero zilch nada they are all books and thank goodness for that because now we can spend money elsewhere like a new defensive coordinator not on the old one and again he, this at the time of recording this this announcement just happened like 20 minutes ago from the time that i'm recording this so we are going to look more into that this week. I am so interested in knowing how this defense will change. I don't think, like, we're not going to make a, a base defense change over the next few days or the next few weeks or the remainder of the season. It's going to be generally the same thing, but I'm interested to see adjustments, what coverages are going to be mixed up. If our corners will play press coverage, not, not by, I'm going to say consistently, I don't mean are they going to succeed at doing it consistently because I know they will. 
I want to know how often will they be told, allowed, whatever, maybe to play press coverage because, my God, we need to do it. And I am very much looking forward to it. I don't think that if Dan Mullen stays, I don't think it's going to be hard to find the defensive coordinator, even if he leaves. I don't think it's going to be hard to find a a defensive coordinator that wants to come here because we have a lot of talent on this team. And we have a lot of returning talent for next year on this team. So this is going to be, regardless of how they've played this year, this is going to be a really desired defensive coordinator job, regardless of who the head coach or offensive coordinator is, regardless of any of that. Coaches are going to want to be the defensive coordinator for this team. Todd Grantham clearly didn't want it bad enough. We'll get someone that will, and we'll get someone that can actually make this defense work because I feel like Todd Grant was actively trying to suck. There's no way you're just that bad. I refuse to believe that. I don't know about you guys, but football season's here, and now I am constantly snacking. Constantly snacking. And I get it. I eat you know, chips, popcorn, sugary snacks. Candy's a big thing for me. But I need to stop doing that. Uh, so Built Bar is how I'm doing that. Built Bar is the best protein bar on the market. It is now my mid-game snack. Thank you very much. If you're trying to eat clean, but you've got a sweet tooth like me, that is no longer a problem. Built Bar is your low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and most importantly, high-fiber solution. You can even enjoy a Built Bar if you're keto. Remember to use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That is LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, to get 15% off of your next order at Built Bar. Dot com. Now we're going to take a brief review of Saturday's game, which was, but I, I want to be very open and honest with you guys. Um, I was unable to watch the game on Saturday because I had a birthday to go to. Yay. Um, not mine, but just so you know. Um, but I got to wake up on Sunday with a big hangover and um, I got to watch that monstrous performance that was that was worse than how i was feeling i can tell you that um i I mainly want to start off with one quick question for whoever wants to give me an answer or you know if if dan mullen wants to give me an answer i I want to know the answer to this question um why the hell did we start the game with five passes on the opening drive why was that the game plan because south carolina's run defense hasn't been very good. Uh, so so why was the game plan? Hmm. Okay. South Carolina sucks at run defense. Well, we're not going to run it. Like, what the hell? 26 carries, including the sacks, is one of the worst uh, game plans that I've seen this season. That was, uh, genuinely atrocious, awful, terrible, bad. I don't care how you want to put it. But that sucked. So I, I just want to make that one very clear. Uh, I, I don't know why we would start a game off, especially with Emory Jones, the starting quarterback, why we would start a game off with five passes. I get it. You know, they seemed to be RPOs for a bit of them. But uh, five passes to start the game? You're not even going to call a wide zone to start it off? You're not going to call none of that? No wide zone, trap, power, counter trap why not it it works against us it should work for us right but no it's just hey we're gonna roll over die and give you guys the win at this point because clearly 
Dan Mullen wants this to be a passing team, but he does not have the quarterbacks, either of them, to really run this offense as a passing offense. The run game needs to be there, and it has just, like, the passing game has not been there. And the run game hasn't been there, but for two different reasons. One, passing game, quarterbacks, not good. Run game hasn't been there because Dan Mullen won't let them get started. Why do we only have six carries each for Damian Pierce and Malik Davis? Like, what if Damian Pierce has done nothing but excel all year when he's given the football. And Dan Mullen just refuses to let him run the ball often. Nine carries is his season high. He had, there was eight before that. He had six on Saturday. It makes absolutely no sense that Dan Mullen doesn't want to see this team win because he won't give the ball to Damian Pierce, who is arguably our best offensive player this season. Emory Jones, they played a relatively solid game. Like I, I'm, I'm not going to hate on him for the most part. It, it was pretty solid. He was he was taking what was there for him. I don't fault him. I don't fault the players for how this game went. I fault or I don't fault all the players for how this game went. I I fault the coaches more than anything else. Justin Shorter has been on fire as of late, and I love that. I'm I'm glad to see he's really starting to hit his stride because he's been someone that for the first, I mean, for more than half of the season to this point, the first five or six games. He was relatively quiet. He was not doing anything. And then over the past few weeks, he's really picked things up. He's just, he's asserting himself on the defense. He's making plays. And that is something that we can't say about a good deal of the players here. Justin Shorter is taking what little the offense is, what little the coaching staff is giving him, and he is making it work to the best of his abilities. Defensively, oh my lord, uh, couldn't stop a nosebleed. How about that? Florida just could not stop South Carolina to save their lives on Saturday. And I, I want to say, I don't know if Todd Grantham was like, hey, I need to pull something desperately out of here, but uh, why did the Gators bring defensive or DB blitzes more like I, I think on Saturday we saw more defensive back blitzes than we saw from the Gators the rest of the season combined. I, I don't really get what what he was hoping to accomplish here, Todd Grantham, but uh, South Carolina is a pretty quick passing offense and they like to run the ball, so corner blitzes aren't really what you want to hit home. Like that, that's if you're trying to generate pressure and you're trying to actually have a solid pass rush with blitzes, uh, corner blitzes are not the way to do it, especially when South Carolina throws wide receiver screens and they keep it quick to the outside. So makes no sense to have your defensive backs get taken out of position completely. So I, I don't, I don't get it. Um, Cause I think, I think on passing plays, it so happened that we had three DB blitzes. I didn't keep track of run plays because sometimes it's just like, sometimes it was DB blitzes, sometimes it's just a DB knowing what's happening. So I, it's hard to definitively count if it was a blitz or not. But passing games, I believe I saw three DB blitzes. Um, and that was weird because we usually don't do that. And that was completely ineffective 
I'm glad we stopped doing it at a certain point because, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't working. Uh, Mamu Diabate clearly played the best game of the season. And that's he's one of the guys where it's like a lot of players have given up on this Gators team. I, I don't think that's necessarily up for debate. Um, if you watch them play, there are a lot of players that just checked out um, mentally and – yeah, you can't say Diabate is one of them, though. He's handled press conferences about as good as you can. And he's had a rough go of things, specifically tackling. That's been, that's been his Achilles heel. But on Saturday, he played one easily his best game of the year in general. Uh, coverage wasn't amazing, but never is. But tackling was phenomenal from him. I would have loved it if he was making these plays closer to the line of scrimmage, but he was clearly, I don't know if he was clearly focused on it, but he was clearly better at wrapping up and finishing tackles than he has been this entire season. So this was a very big, he was one of the very few bright spots for this team on Saturday. Cause again, it was just a piss poor performance throughout. But Diabati was one of the few bright spots, and it was great to see that someone who's received as much criticism as he has specifically for his tackling took that and turned it into, okay, then I'm going to ball the hell out right now. And he did that. Trey Dean, Rashad Torrance, I, I love you guys. I don't know what else to say. They are, I think still possibly the best safety duo in college football. And I say that meaning not just talent wise, but there are few safeties that are asked to do nearly as much as Rashad Torrance and Trey Dean are. There are legitimately maybe three teams that ask as much from their safeties as Florida asks from Trey Dean and Rashad Torrance. And I don't know if any of them do the job as well as trading and Rashad Torrance, especially given that the players in front of them haven't been stellar recently. So they're asked to cover up even more at that point. But I, I, I stand by trading Rashad Torrance, best safety duo in college football. Both, I get Rashad Torrance isn't uh, draft eligible yet, but both are helping their NFL futures, helping them make money. Especially if you're watching Rashad Torrance this year, he has been lights out. I almost dropped a hard F-bomb there. He has been lights out this year despite the rest of the defense being for the majority of the season. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. Don't miss tomorrow because it's Tape Tuesday and we're going to unfortunately break down four plays from Florida versus South Carolina. Now make your second listen, Lockdown SEC. Get all of your daily SEC news in less than 30 minutes with SEC expert Chris Gordy of Sports 790. It is free and available on all platforms. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E Sports. And be sure to check out my pinned tweet and let Lockdown know why Gator Nation is the best fan base in all of college football, and I will see you all tomorrow.